Joker wants to race. Oh, race? That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down! He wants something. Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. Popheads, and welcome to issue 128 of the Tomcast Popcast, coming to you from an overpass outside of the city of Chicago. My name is Tom. Thank you for listening to this quality, independent podcast. Please be sure you're following along with us on the social media at Tomcast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to become a financial supporter of the show, an official member of Pophead Nation, you can join at patreon.com forward slash TomcastPopcast, where you will get access to bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspinel Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, co-host of The Ringing Ear, thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles, the Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, and the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wagamer. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, whatever it is. We're there, and if we're not, let me know and I'll get us on there. And if you have the time, please leave us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews. And finally, check out our network website, 3bzine.com. We are a proud member of the 3bzine network of podcasts. You can find the tab to take us to our our page, where you can listen to our episodes of the TomCast podcast, or of MandoVision, or of Beer Night in San Diego, the hit beer podcast that has changed the way podcasts are done. You also will find our store envy page where you can order some sweet, sweet merch for the holiday season. T-shirts and sweatshirts for all your favorite loved ones. Well, listen, it's 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 that time. Thanksgiving is upon us. The holidays have, been, have come. No matter how uh, how hard 2020 tried to prevent them from coming and, 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 and finally arriving, they are here. And it is, it is with this level of excitement that we talk about the other <laughs> of my favorite holiday movies. For, the, for this time of year, at least. And that would be Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Written, directed, produced by the legend John Hughes. Starring Steve Martin and the late, great John Candy. And uh, we're going to get to talk to uh, my brother, Mark. will be joining us again to talk about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. A movie that we grew up watching together. And uh, also appropriate to have family on for this this episode of the show. We'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about some Thanksgiving stuff as well. So... I hope everyone is is uh, is uh, staying safe and and secure. And uh, if you're with family, I hope you're you're taking you've taken the proper precautions and and all that good stuff. And if you are traveling on this this uh this traveling holiday where everyone seems to go on the road, no matter how many pandemics are going on, uh, uh hopefully we're keeping you company while 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 you drive safely and securely to your destination. All right, so we're gonna get into into the conversation again. Planes, trains, and automobiles classic film from the library of John Hughes. Uh, 
Just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movie. I watch it constantly. I think I've watched it eight times in the last week and a half. Uh, just, just, just because I love it so very, very much. So it's that time where you have to sit down, you buckle up, you hold on to your butts, and you buckle up again. Here we go. Joining me once again via the Skype, my brother Mark. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm, we're, you know, we're hanging in there. 2020 continues to, to chug along to a, a, a hopefully merciful ending. <laughs> and we'll see if we can uh, pick up the pieces in January. We'll see. I, I doubt it. We'll <laughs> you are a nihilist. You believe in nothing. No, I'm just pessimistic. <laughs> uh, well, listen, before we before we get into planes, trains, and automobiles, I thought it would be appropriate for uh, Thanksgiving to kind of talk a little bit about our Thanksgivings because uh, we, we grew up having them together, which was quite nice. Yes. Well, what, what would be your favorite part of the Thanksgiving Day experience? Oh, I don't know. I've... I mean, I suppose just the the dinner itself, sure, and um, just being being with with your family most most of the day. I, I think I think some of our Thanksgivings, Dad worked a little bit, but he was there most of the day. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think typically he would work in the mornings and and then be home in the afternoons, and then would be annoyed that we were watching football games. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which the tables have turned in that situation because uh, now when I call him on a Sunday afternoon, he's usually watching the Ravens game. So <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable, and he still yeah. secretly roots for the Steelers, which I don't understand because that's a big rivalry. Well, he was never much into sports, so he <laughs> might not understand that they are rivals. I know, but he's <laughs> he's such a, our dad is such an interesting late coming late comer to the sports world. Hey, God bless him. If he can be a Steelers fan and a Ravens fan at the same time, more power to him. Right, right, right. Oh, that's fair. Uh, was was there a favorite dish that you had for that you looked forward to every Thanksgiving that you had to have? For me, it was always about the turkey and the stuffing. The, the, those two things together. And you liked it in... Am I wrong, but you liked the stuffing in the bird? No. I don't think we ever did that. I thought we did it once because I think you wanted to try it. That that maybe if we did, then I think it, I I don't think I cared for it very much. No, I don't think we um, did. I don't think any of us did, and that's why it probably never happened again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, cook cook that separate. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I I couldn't remember if it was. I know we did done it at least once, but I couldn't remember if not doing it again was a a joint decision or just mom's decision because she didn't like it very much. No, I, I it. If if I recall correctly, um, I think it was I think it was mushy or something. It was very yeah, it was very moist, extremely yeah. moist and mushy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not about that. What are, what are your thoughts on potatoes? I love them. You like uh, you like regular like mashed potatoes or like you you go sweet potato? Um, I like regular, but I also like sweet potato, um, preferably mashed, either sweet potato or. Regular mashed is the way to go, I think, for Thanksgiving. All right, now will you will you do the with the sweet potatoes? Will you do like those uh, those dressed up ones where it's like they're they're kind of like cut up, like cubed up, and they got the marshmallows on top? Are you into that mess? Not really. 
Yeah, I'm not either. I like sweet potatoes, but I, I kind of prefer a mashed, a little brown sugar, maybe some like crumbled pecans or something on top. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, I agree. I, I am a pot- potato fiend. I will have uh, multiple kinds of potatoes at a Thanksgiving feast. Yes. <laughs> your your plate on Thanksgiving always looks like a, a volcano <laughs> with uh, with gravy in the caldera. That's <laughs> well, you know, I mean. You you know there's there's two great vehicles for gravy and, and mashed potatoes are one of them you know we just you just smush it in there and you get that yeah. lovely like dollop of it right there in the, in the middle of your plate and yeah and then you kind of build around that and I yeah. I am the guy who likes to I kind of get my fork and I load it up with like a little bite of everything and kind of swirl it around the plate which uh, has in the past infuriated members of our family so <laughs> that's always fun. Well, I mean. I know you made fun of me for being very dainty in the way that I eat sometimes because I'm very, I want it all separate. Yeah. And I eat it separately. So I'm very, I guess, rigid and orderly about about the way I eat my food. That, that, for anyone who knows you, that's not shocking to hear. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I mean, you're a much more a disciplined person than, than I am. Uh, and, and, and when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner in particular, I am... Uh, I, I like to consider myself in the upper echelon of gluttons. I just want all of it on the plate, in my mouth, as fast as possible. Yeah, that's de- <laughs> I'm definitely not about that. No, you are not about that. You are a much more restrained uh, uh, individual when it comes to uh, the feasting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love all... Give me all of it. I love all the sides. I don't. I don't care for green bean casserole. I think... Anyone who knows me knows why. Have I had that? I don't even know if I've had that. I feel like that was something we did maybe again did once or twice because I think I think our parents might have liked it. I think maybe Dad in particular liked it. I mean, green beans have grown on me over the years. I do like green beans, but I don't I don't recall having a casserole. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. I'm just getting myself hungry, so we, we'll have to change subjects here. Okay. The, the other thing I remember from. Uh, from Thanksgiving was was usually you and I would end up outside at some point throwing the football around because like the, the the Lions game was usually awful, so we would go outside and during the Lions game and and usually throw the football around and run around. Yeah, I just remember that one year that um, the Bills were finally on the Buffalo Bills were finally on uh, Thanksgiving football and they played the lions and it was like the one time the lions decided to show up <laughs> and, and kick the bills's ass and i was really upset about it i mean uh, correct me if i'm wrong but if, if if the buffalo bills are not on like you don't really care about the games on on thanksgiving do you no i do i i watch them i wouldn't say that um i have a particular horse in the race but but I you know I follow them I do watch them I get interested and and there are certain teams that you know I prefer more so than others so well and now that there's like three games it's become like a whole thing I mean it's I'll be honest I rarely make it to that night game I'm usually like passed out covered in gravy and, and cheese I'm not passed out I just cease to care at that point <laughs> yeah I thought I I, th- I thought three games on Thanksgiving was too much. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's how I feel. Because I feel like the, at night is when you're kind of spending time with your family and kind of winding down. Yeah. So, 
But I guess if your team is playing in that light game, then then you're not gonna care. Well, you know, if you're like me and you don't really have a team anymore, you can just do whatever you want, which is wonderful. Uh, I suppose so. But uh, no, in, in the dynamics of my marriage, I mean, I, I you know, we generally watch, or I generally watch the games during the day, and when the, when evening rolls around after we've eaten, um, I'm not so much of a of, of a of a butt that I, I tell Janine to stuff it, and I'm watching the third game, too. It's like Usually that's when it's like, yeah, you're right. It's time to hang out together. We'll watch something together. Because she has no interest in the football games, let alone the first two I right. watched. Let alone, and so definitely not the third one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, you know, family time, togetherness. We use That's usually when we start. We usually will start with the, the beginning of the Christmas movie marathons. That is usually when, when that begins. All right, all right. All right, so let's get off the food here. Let's kind of get... I do have a, another question or two for you, uh, but this one's more uh, germane to the film. Okay. Not that Thanksgiving's not germane to planes, trains, and automobiles, because obviously it's about getting home for the holiday. Uh, yeah. But again, this this is... Planes, trains, and automobiles is, is another classic John Hughes road trip movie. Yes. I, I think... It's, I think it's reasonable to say that uh, that he's done the road trip movie better than many, better than most. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, I guess what I want to know is, you know, you've done road trips. I've done road trips. We, we've all been there. We've all done that. Which, by the way, yeah. just just for the record, Plane Trains and Automobiles came out in 1987, for anyone who yes. couldn't quite remember the timeline. 87. Um, who is... Who is your ideal road trip partner? Who do you want to be on a road trip with? Is there such a thing as an ideal road trip partner? <laughs> Honest, like honestly, I'm. Can I can I say myself? <laughs> yes, you can. You know, I I think it's just you remember when I was in college and. Um, you know, I would come up for the Christmas holiday from M- Miami, from Miami to, to Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I would do, like, that's a long road trip, you know, but I would do it really quick and I would kind of do it in the middle of the night. And, like, that was always great to me. That was always just like a blast. Just just me in the road. And I loved it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm just going to say that for now. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard for me to argue with with that because I've done that road trip a couple of times myself. Not that exact same one. Uh, when I did right. when I did a DC to to Miami, it was with uh, our friend Damien, who was uh, right. who who was a good traveling companion. He was a lot of fun, and yeah, you know that worked out really nicely. Uh, but when I drove cross country a couple different times, I was usually by myself, and I ended up having a, a great time with myself. <laughs> But that was also because, like, I was in my youth, and I could I could push myself, and I could drive for like thirty hours straight without having to stop or anything like that, you know? Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I'm still pretty good at that. So. Uh, well, good for you, because now I'm tired after like four hours in the car. I'm like, oh God, I got Could we find a hotel, please? I'm tired. Nah, man. <laughs> now I've lost I've lost my edge when it comes to like the the the, the road trip. I'm I'm not quite. Uh, as as uh, persistent on on the uh, the we're making good time theory, yeah. Uh, especially because because I have a wife who wants to go to the bathroom every four minutes. So, yes, that kind of thing does does get in the way. Yeah, or it's like oh we have to stop so we can walk the dogs. It's like oh come on. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no dog walking. All right. Well, let me ask you this question. And this is I'm springing this on you. But, oh, but if, oh boy! But if you could road trip with any celebrity in the world, alive or dead, who would you pick? Oh, um, you know, probably because I just watched the movie. I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say John Candy. Really? Yeah. You. <laughs> Oh my god, I must be more Steve Martin like than I thought because <laughs> Dell's antics, woo, they would have triggered me. Well, I mean John Candy isn't Dell. That's okay, so you just want John Candy himself. Okay, that makes sense. Alright, alright. Yeah, but but on on and and I'm sure we'll we'll get into this. Uh, like like Dell may be annoying, but he has he has a good heart. Whereas Steve Martin or Neil Page is a complete asshole. <laughs> Spoilers for the conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, you're not. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, th- I think John Candy's a great pick. I mean, it, we grew up with John, with John Candy movies. He was a big deal for us. We were always really excited to watch John Candy movies. And Uncle Buck's was like still one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, I I love Uncle Buck, and and I think and I think he's great in this movie. I think this movie is kind of like quintessential John Candy, and and that's why I, that's why I say that. I'm just you know I just watched the movie, so it's fresh in my mind. But but yeah, he I don't know. He just seemed he just seemed so blue collared and laid back, and like you're gonna have a good time with him. Um, you know, not even this, but uh, the character he plays in uh, Home Alone. <laughs> you want you want the polka music? Absolutely, <laughs> polka polka. <laughs> that was good stuff. You, <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think John Kenny's a solid pick. All right. How about you? All right. <laughs> so my pick is so ridiculous because it's just. <laughs> I just want to be friends with this man so desperately. It's so oh, sad. Boy. Oh man! <laughs> I just think Chris Hemsworth seems like a really cool guy to hang out with. Oh, you and your love affair with Chris Hemsworth—that the man is beautiful and funny. I mean, <laughs> I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. I thought—I thought you might say like Chris Pratt or something. No, Hemsworth looks like more fun. Hemsworth looks like more fun. Okay. I mean, and, and I don't mean this as a knock on Pratt, but uh, apparently he's like you know very Christian, so I'm not sure he'll appreciate my jokes. That's true. I think I don't think he'd have a problem with your jokes. I don't know. I can be pretty racy sometimes. I work blue a lot, Mark. I work blue a lot. What? <laughs> that means I dropped the dirty jokes in there, man. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not familiar with that term? Come on, man. I thought you were in the industry. No. Oh, it's called working blue. Look it up. I'll, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the movie. Like we said, from 1987, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, written, directed, produced by John Hughes, starring Steve Martin and John Candy as our main players. There's some fun little cameos in there that maybe we'll get to talk about. Uh, but that that that's kind of where we need to focus. Yeah. And so uh, we you know we kind of talked about it before we did the recording. Uh, I didn't really want to go beat by beat through the movie necessarily. Uh, I, yeah. thought, uh, I thought it might be 
more interesting just to kind of tackle it from a couple different angles. Like, let's talk about it. I mean, you kind of said your feelings already. Let's talk about Steve Martin's character, Neil Page. Okay. So you made it known how you feel. You think he's an asshole. He's an asshole. Talk about it. Give me the reasons why. Present, present your case. He's just, he's mean. And I think he's, I think he's mean-spirited. And um, I think it comes from this boring, predictable life that he lives where he's kind of always in control. And then as soon as you take him out of that, as soon as he loses control, he just loses it and he gets mean on you. And it, it's just not the, it's just not the type of person that you necessarily want to be around. You, you don't think that has anything to do with, uh, with, uh, Dell's sort of, um, I mean, let's put it, I mean, let's let's put it bluntly. They're they're very opposite of each other, but you, yes. you don't think the things that Dell does are are like button pushing worthy? Oh, I I definitely think they are, um, but I I think it comes down to that that scene in the hotel room where Steve Martin finally like he loses it. He's he's had enough of Dell's shenanigans his his annoying qualities um and that's an understatement you know (laughs) and and steve martin just rips into him and it goes on for so long it's just like stop just he's had enough just stop oh it's a just keeps going it's a completely uncomfortable scene for sure um but to, I mean, to be fair, like I said, I think I think Neil gets gets pushed pretty hard. I mean, they're they're sh- they're they're forced to share a hotel together in Wichita, at this point yeah. in, at this point in the movie, and I mean, Dell is just kind of doing his thing, but it's all you know, and like like you said, I mean, sure he's got a he definitely seems to have a good heart and a good spirit about him, but I mean, it's it's the things he does are with like. I feel zero consideration for the fact he has to share this room with another man, you know, putting his, you know, hanging his underwear up on the towel racks and washing his socks in the sink and, you know, <laughs> taking the towels out of the bathroom you know, it's stuff like that. It was like they, that. I feel like that would set off anybody. It would set off. And then anybody, he, he, but, he's, but he the... spills beer in the bed and makes Neil sleep in it. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> but the thing is, is that Steve Martin should have said something well ahead of time <laughs> and and the the neil page character um you know Dell or neil complains about having to sleep in the puddle of beer and Dell says oh do you want me to sleep in it well but neil then decides to kind of martyr himself like no it's fine whatever well clearly it's not fine so this whole thing, if, if he had just been a little more honest with Dell up front and called him out sooner, then I, I feel like th- that whole thing could have been avoided. You know, like, like Steve Martin is the kind of guy who just like, like he bottles up his anger and then it explodes on you. So, so the real person at fault in this movie is, is, or is social decorum. Sure. <laughs> if Neil had just expressed himself instead of like you know, grinning and burying it, it things would have been better. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I do think <laughs> I do think Neil makes uh, a, a lot of this falls on Neil's shoulders because he knows he's going to this this business. He has this business meeting in New York City on you know two days before Thanksgiving. It's like the Tuesday leading up to Thanksgiving week. He's in yes. this business meeting. He knows he doesn't know when it's going to wrap up. He just hopes that it wraps up so he can catch the six o'clock flight back to Chicago. And it's it's yes. like what a quarter to five when he finally gets out of, gets out of the meeting with uh with Ferris Bueller's dad, and uh, yeah something. something and, like and then that. he has to like dart to the airport. He's in the taxi cab line, and and it's it again. If he had just taken the eight o'clock with Ferris Bueller's dad, I'm assuming he would have been home a okay. Well, I mean, probably not because presumably Ferris Bueller's dad uh, was flying into O'Hare as well, and every flight was canceled. So, I I think that guy got held up too. I, I okay, that's no, that's a very realistic possibility. But wouldn't you also think too? I mean, I listen. Maybe it's just me, and and, and like I'm when it comes to to travel, I'm I'm kind of a play it safe person, like. I'll just sit at the airport and wait to get on the, whatever the next flight's going to be that I can make. Because the idea of, of going through what they go through to try and get ahead of the, the storms and, and, the, and the, the travel delays and all these other things, are it's it's bananas crazy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um... Because... because well, hold on, let me just put this out there, too. Because the initial plan is... They're, they're, you have the great opening scene with Steve Martin racing to catch the cab, racing Kevin Bacon, and then yes. tripping over Dell's trunk. He doesn't know it's Dell yet. And then when he finally does flag a cab down, which he has to buy off of a lawyer for seventy-five bucks, which is another crazy weird scene. But that's how desperate Steve Martin is to make this 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 flight. And then Dell does end up stealing his cab, right? And Dell and, and Neil chases him down the street, which is again funny a funny way to open the the show, and you kind of know. All right, this is going to be off to a rocky start with these two already. Um, but eventually, Neil does get to the airport, and he seemingly will make the flight. But then it's, there's like a, what a delay first, and then they finally board, and Neil's bumped, which that's got to piss you off too if you paid for a first class seat and you get bumped to coach. Yeah. And then they get they get uh, um, what's 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 it when they get diverted to Wichita because of the storms in Chicago. Right. And and so again, and we'll talk about how. Dell and Neil sort of connect during all this, um, but they're they're just in Wichita, Wichita together to spend the night, and then they're supposed to go to the airport, right? Or are they 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 skip that completely, right? They're like, no, we're done, and then it's like off to wherever. Um, it's so so yeah, they they get diverted to Wichita, and then they decide, well, instead of spending the night at the airport, let's just go get a motel. And then after the motel, they're supposed to. I, there, there's a conversation at some point where they're saying like, like all the flights. All are, the flights are, are booked. booked. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're then at that point, uh, kind of forced into uh, taking a train. Okay. All right. All right. So at the, we'll put a pin in Neil's side of things, right here. Uh, let, let's kind of talk about about Dell and, and the way that mo the movie opens, the way the, way the movie introduces him. Yeah, because I think Steve Martin is supposed to be the character that we, I, I, I guess he's our point of view character. I would definitely say he is. I, yeah. Um, and and 
you know, Dell's sort of this like he's he's a he's a uh, what is he a shower curtains shower curtain ring salesman. Yes. And so he's a bit of a a big personality because I guess you know most salesmen have a have a kind of talkative nature about them you know because they're always kind of selling whether it's their product or themselves. Right. And you know like you like you said Neil is a much more uh, closed in kind of guy. Yeah, he's much more reserved and 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 to himself. Yeah. So w- w- when the two actually first encounter each other, I mean, there's that brief flash when when Neil finally catches the cab in New York City, and and yeah. Dell sees him and the, the, is like scared of him. Right. But then the cab drives away. So it isn't until they're at the airport together, sitting right across from each other, that they really kind of get to interact with one another. Yes. And Dell realizes that yeah, he did steal Neil's cab. Right. Part of me still thinks that Dell did that on purpose. <laughs> I think he kind of did too. It's kind of yeah, a shitty thing. Yeah, I, th- I, I, again, I don't say it as as to imply that Dell's a bad person, but he's he can be slightly shady to kind of get things done. Like I think he saw yeah. these two guys arguing over the cab. He's like, well, I'll just take it. Yeah, or you know, the other thing is is that the the character is so kind of. Um, oblivious to certain things that you can also see where you know maybe he he really just didn't wasn't maybe he saw what was going on but wasn't really aware of it yeah i mean he he, he, yeah i know well well, i think we'll i mean we'll, we'll, we'll fuck it we'll just jump ahead but i mean you know the the scene where Shortly before the car catches on fire, or actually right as the car catches on fire, we find out that Dell paid for that rental with Neil's credit card. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because he's hoping that that credit card is put in his wallet by Neil as an act of kindness. <laughs> that seems like a bit of a reach, <laughs> but that is it's the hilarious. Worst excuse. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, but the, but the movie's continuity is solid on that because it does. The their cards get switched in Wichita at the motel, and that's the payoff of it is finally coming through is during the the, the car on fire scene. Yes. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I, but again, I, I you know maybe shady was a strong word, but you know Dell is uh, I don't know blissfully naive, but I mean he's he's definitely blissfully optimistic that things are always going to work out in his favor. Right. Um. How how about. <sighs> Let me okay. Let, let's let's kind of pause in the movie real quick. When you travel, okay, what? Who are you more like, Neil or Dell? Definitely more like Neil. Oh, no, same here, a hundred percent. Yeah. So so when you say that Neil's an asshole, I definitely see where you're coming from because there are definitely parts in the movie where Neil is 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 outright mean. Yeah. But at the same time, I sort of understand because I, uh, um. As a traveler, I, I I am very inward. You know, I, I keep to myself, I keep my head down, and I focus on whatever uh, distractions I brought to entertain myself, usually, usually reading or watching something on my iPad or whatever. Yeah. I have no desire uh, to engage in a conversation with the person next to me uh, other than, like, a polite ple- pleasantry if I have to uh, get past them to go to, to go to the restroom or whatever. Sure. You know, and I try to establish that early on, that, like, I'll... Like, Hello, how are you? And then I, you know, put the earbuds in or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's the extent of it for me. Because I, 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 though I do get upset if that person decides to go to sleep, and then I have to step over them to go to the bathroom, I get really annoyed. 
Okay. <laughs> or it's even worse when you have to wake them up because then, like, then, then they're all cranky about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anybody necessarily who's like Dell when it comes to like, I mean, I've definitely seen it on the flight, though, like the, the talkative person next to you. Luckily, I've been able to avoid it most of my life. I've, I've had that a little bit and like it, it, it's not too bad. I, I'm a little different when I travel in the sense that um, the, like the things that I have to distract myself, which is usually just you know uh, something that I'm working on, on on my laptop or a book. I don't know. I like I find it very hard to, to kind of concentrate on things on a plane. So a lot of time, if someone's kind of willing to make conversation, I'm I'm okay with it for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I'll I'll get tired of it eventually. Um, you know, I don't want it to go on forever. But um, so I'm a little bit go ooh, a little bit go with the flow in in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think Dell is just he's his character is sort of a jumble of all of those annoying people that we come across when we travel. Yeah. It's, it's like he's, he's everything that we, we don't want to encounter when, when we travel. And, and that's part of what makes Neil work as a character because we completely understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Yes, I think you know? you're, I think I think you're right. That's that's why I was a little when you know, when you when you said he's an asshole, I was like, well, I think we're all supposed to be kind of be Neil <laughs> when we watch this. No, I, I think he is, but but that's the thing. But 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 in saying that, it it, it you know it, it's like like we feel that way towards that person that is annoying us, but but we forget that that person is also another human being. Yeah, you know. No, no, I, I think that's right, and and just as a point of clarification, if someone's talking to me on the on the plane, like I I talk back and I respond. I'm I I sure uh, much much like uh, another character that, that we talk about, but we can't talk about right now publicly. Um, I don't I, I don't want to be rude to anybody, so I I'll, like, I'll engage with you as as long as I can, and then when I get the opportunity to to, to <laughs> plug into something else, I will. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but let me ask you, okay, so so let's get to this real quick. Uh, a, a point of travel etiquette that must be discussed. Okay. When you're on that plane, would you have the balls to rip off your shoes and socks? <laughs> I want to say yes, but I don't, I don't think I, I would. I wouldn't either. I would be terrified of people I, finding out I, it was I, me. <laughs> if I if I was wearing like a pair of slip-on shoes, sure, but it would stop there. I would not I would not take off my socks. <laughs> I, I I can I can almost I I, I sort of appreciate that. I, I get that. that that sort of makes some sense. Uh, but but the production that Dell makes when he rips his socks off, is... oh yeah, he's like flipping them around. And <laughs> them. <laughs> it's just the sounds he's making of like sweet relief. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, get me off of this plane. <laughs> Call Homeland Security right now. There's a terrorist on board. Wow. All right. He's a foot terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Jeez, Louise, that snuck up on me. So, uh, our characters—they're in Wichita, and then 
in that motel shortly before... I think it's right before... No, it's right after their fight. After they, they eventually fall asleep, and then yes. they get robbed. Yes. So their money's gone. Oh, their, and all, uh, their, their cash, cash is stolen, I should say. They still have yeah. a, a couple credit cards, and Neil has a gas card. <laughs> yeah. As he's very happy what? to point out. Yeah, well, one 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 thing when I was watching this that that I really liked was was you know it was made in 1987 when you know people between the two of them they have like two credit cards and one is is a credit card to like a like a department store right right you know and not everybody accepts credit cards either and I don't know I just found that to I, th- I think it helps like enhance the story and it's just one of those things that that you couldn't you couldn't do today because everyone has plastic everyone takes plastic and well the thing i the thing i noticed or that i wondered when i watched the movie and i've wondered this for a while now because like neil has a diners club card does anyone even know what the hell diners club is anymore i don't even know if i know what it was back then i just knew it as a thing yeah, I don't think I know what it is exactly either. Right, but it, I mean that that was like a, a term that we heard growing up in like the eighties and early nineties. Nowadays, yeah. you say diners club to somebody, they're, they're like, "What? What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, go back to your time machine, old man. You don't yeah. belong here. Nope. <laughs> so whenever they keep dropping like that diners club reference, and I'm like, I like, man, people must be so like, what the fuck is diners club? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know if our parents had a, had a diners club card because I'm, you know, I don't think that was really their jam. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so they get robbed. Oh, th- let me ask you this question too, because at, when they figured out that they're they're getting that they that they've been robbed, they're at a diner, they're eating breakfast, they're getting ready to uh, get a ride to the train station from yes. the the hotel uh, uh, clerk or manager's uh, son. And yes. we should point out, you know, Dell seems to know everybody at all these places because he's sold them shower ring curtains and whatever. So Dell has like these like connections in a lot of places that they end up going, and, and right. using uh, using Dell's connections to help kind of help get back to Chicago. Yes. When they when they are figuring out that they got robbed and they're they're going into their walls for their cash, and Neil mm-hmm. says that he had seven hundred dollars in his wallet were you blown away by that like i was <laughs> i wouldn't say blown away but i'd be like that's a lot of money to like, carry in your wallet who I, I i was trying to think back like i don't remember our parents ever having that kind of cash in their wallet no that that's just irresponsible <laughs> that seems really irresponsible i agree with you 100 percent. i mean it could be because he's traveling i maybe I don't know. That was the only thing I could think of as well is like, you know, maybe back then still there weren't a lot of places that took credit cards, you know, right. and, you know, it, or, you know, maybe it was more uh, a localized or not localized necessarily, but uh, limited in what credit cards yeah. were accepted. I mean, I remember for yeah. a, a long time uh, uh, back in the 90s when I first got a credit card, uh, so many stores, I, I had a Discover card and, mm. and a lot of places didn't, didn't take Discover card back in the day. Right. Now, now the idea of somebody saying, like, "Oh, we don't take that method of payment," is is just completely out the window. Yeah. So the only the only thing I could think of was 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 like, yeah, maybe, maybe credit card uses was a little bit more limited back in like the mid '80s. 
No, it it definitely was. I I remember I remember our mom and dad talking about like, oh, this place doesn't take credit card, that place doesn't take credit card, that kind of thing. So it you know it, it was I think at the time still a fairly new technology, I guess, and not everyone had adapted to it. Right. Right. So uh, then we get. Well, and I'm going kind of beat by beat again too, but uh, I, I, I I definitely had to mention uh, uh, Dylan Baker's. Absolutely, <laughs> Dylan Baker as Owen, the son of the motel manager, who's going to drive them to uh, to the train station, which isn't in Wichita. It's in a different town whose name I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. And they it have either. to sit in the back of an open pickup truck in the middle of November or in late November <laughs> in Kansas. Yes, Dylan Baker, a, a, a character actor we've seen in a million different things, probably most recognizable to this audience as as uh, Professor Kurt Connors in Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Yes, uh, but but definitely somebody you recognize. I mean, how was was it a trip just to see him in this movie at all as like this crazy redneck character? Yeah, absolutely. When he showed up, I was like, oh, I forgot. I forgot he was he was in this, and I forgot he was this character. And he it's not the type of character you would expect him to play, and he's just, like, so perfect. Yeah, and I think this is definitely one of his early performances. And I know we, yeah. we, we, we mentioned the Kevin Bacon cameo earlier, but in Dylan Baker's role doesn't count as a cameo because, you know, he's a young actor at this point. But apparently... Right. Uh, all those like weird like facial tics and in like the snorting and all that stuff was improvised, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, how the hell did he come up with this? Because it's so weird. <laughs> and I had read I read one little detail that I thought was really interesting, but apparently the part where uh, he sort of like spits his uh, his his chew and then wipes his mouth with his hand and then shakes Neil's hand, right, was done at the at the urging of John Hughes who knew. That Steve Martin was like really OCD about germs and stuff. Oh, really? And they wanted him to kind of freak out <laughs> <laughs> because apparently, like as soon as that happened, uh, uh, Steve Martin ran off off the set and to go wash his hands, and everyone started laughing, thought it was hilarious. That's great. <laughs> I'm the type of person I think I, I feel like that's how you I feel like that's how you should direct, and I feel like just no one really does that type of stuff anymore. You know, it's so. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like shaking hands with somebody who has like some spit on their hands is gross. That's gross. I but I feel like it's even grosser now in twenty twenty, where we're all becoming so much more aware of germs and how they're spread. Yep. Where it's just like, no, I don't want to touch your hand ever again. Thanks. <laughs> I know. Th- th- I know this is uh, off topic, but I mean, do you think handshakes ever come back? Yes. Really? I think handshakes yeah. are done. If handshakes are done, I'm done. <laughs> well, you are a handshaker. Like that, like that's so ridiculous. Like, like if we end up with a, uh, if we end up with a vaccine at some point, and and this becomes a memory, uh, the idea of people not shaking hands is fucking ridiculous to me. <laughs> like. Great. Let's all just stay in our houses and have fucking Zoom meetings and be even more socially awkward than we already are. Well, Wonderful. That's, that's the track we're on. I mean, this is just speeding it up. Yeah, well, no thank you. <laughs> um, God, we're still, we're, we're only in Kansas so far as, as <laughs> but, uh, uh, 
so they get on the train and they get stuck. But they kind they kind of yes. separate the train. They have to sit in separate sections. Yes. Train breaks down. Yeah. They reconvene, but then they also decide to go separate ways. Like Neil doesn't want to get stuck with with Dale. He feels like Dale's holding him back. Right. And, yeah. There's that sort of breakup scene at the at the diner. Now Neil, I feel like Neil tries to be very polite about it, but but Dale does take it very personally. Yes. I do. I do really like uh, John Candy's reaction to that. You know, because I, I I think. I think Dell is 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 really hopeful and optimistic that he's making a friend out of Neil, right? And then to, for Neil to just kind of like be like, "I don't want anything to do with you. I just want to go home." Uh, it just was just like kind of throwing some dirt in his face. Yeah, yeah. It's it. You know, it, it, it's that thing where it's Neil is our our window kind of into the, he he's our perspective character and. At that moment, John Candy just seems to be reacting like an insecure little little baby, but we're not thinking about like who he actually is as a person and, and why he is kind of this way, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think it's I, th- I think it's a good scene for kind of establishing sort of what ends up to be the the reveal later later in the film. Oh. Sorry, say that again. It's it, 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 it's it's a good sort of foreshadowing of, of the reveal later okay. in the film at the end okay. of the film. Yeah, yeah, I think Be, you're right. Because the thing is, is yeah, because like we're with Steve Martin the whole time, and it's like we know Steve Martin's story, but we never we never get Dell's story really. No, and you just get little Steve, little hints of it and little little comments here and there about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point, and and you know, and I think that's not to not again not to agree with you necessarily on on the Neil being a complete asshole sort of thing, but the fact that he doesn't really ask a lot of questions about Dell and in like his life and stuff like that, while while Dell seems very interested in in Neil right. and his life and, and things like that, um, is is interesting for sure. Yeah, like the Steve Martin character, he's a little sort of self-involved. He is a little you know, self-involved. Yeah, like yeah. I, I don't mean it as, as an insult to to the character because I think every everybody's a little self-involved. Yeah, you know? well, you know, and, but, and Neil's but, very focused on getting home for the holiday and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I right. to an extent I do understand it, but I mean, you're traveling with somebody, for, you know, you're spending a lot of time with one person. You think you would sort of. Uh, you know, try <laughs> to get to know them a little better. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, especially someone who, who, despite all of it, all of his flaws and all of his annoyances, I mean, Dell really is just trying to help. Yeah, sure. Uh, what did you think of these two on the bus? I and loved I, it. And actually, I, I, I did get my, my story a little out of order. They have they go on the bus before they have that, that final meal together and they separate. Right, yeah. But I mean um, I, I think I don't I can't think of any single person I know who is is like, oh man, I'm taking a bus trip soon. I can't wait. <laughs> no, no one says that. Like it's gotta be the most I don't know if loathed is the right word, but like it's gotta be like the last option, right? I would I would say so. 
it's it's definitely um, you're definitely going to end up with some some interesting characters, and it's probably the slowest method of travel. Yeah, because I mean you're you're subject to everything you would be in a car. I mean traffic and delays and yeah. and, and, and and you know potential breakdowns. Yeah, trains I think can be slower depending on how many stops, but um, but yeah. It's bananas to me. I yeah, I've I've never traveled by bus outside of like a, a you know a, a school trip or anything, so I I couldn't swear to any of this. Yeah, no, me me neither. Um, but no, it's a it, it's a fun scene where you know Dell, you know Dell, it just kind of showcases the the two the two characters where whereas Dell's kind of a man of the people and he starts singing kind of. Uh, show tunes that everyone likes and then steve martin tries to lead the the bus passengers in a song and it's like everyone's just like what the what and, is this yeah they what all turn you... and look at him like with just like <laughs> disgust in their eyes <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's like it's the visual equivalent of the uh, of the record scratch you know? <laughs> yes yes there's a an interesting um tidbit apparently for that bus scene a uh, young Jerry Ryan was was cast in that bus scene, but she couldn't stop laughing at Steve Martin and John Candy, so they had to replace her. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. Though I think her career worked out okay, so don't feel too bad for her. Yeah, nah, yeah. Oh, you know, um, she... did you? I, I just wanted. To, yeah, like, go ahead. I, the the one thing that Neil does where I feel like he was he was completely um, valid was that. You know those two passengers. The ones making the out. Seat. Yeah, like I mean, they were making out like right in his. Oh, face. it's gross. Yeah, <laughs> so and then gross. they give him a bunch of shit for looking. Like what? Like, right. How about you just take it outside? <laughs> but I do love Dell's reaction to him getting busted. It's so funny yeah. the way he just laughs at him. <laughs> well, especially because he's the one who told him to look. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Dell kind of egged him on, and then he yeah. got busted for it. <laughs> Which almost feels like like almost feels like a scene uh, that would would show up later in Seinfeld, like ten years later, when when George uh, when Jerry nudges George to check out some cleavage, and then he gets caught for it. I vaguely remember that. It's when they were trying to sell the show to NBC, and it's the daughter of like the NBC executive. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. We we can do a Seinfeld podcast down the road. Don't worry. Well, I mean, you know, speaking of Seinfeld, we did get a cameo from Larry Hinkin, who played Tom Pepper, the fake Kramer yes, in and Seinfeld. He is the, the man who drives the taxi from the, the, the airport in Wichita to that motel. And it's a right. very uh, I, ostentatious is a nice way to say it. But I mean, it's it's uh, kind of trashy looking. Right? I mean, it's a. Uh, it's a it's a great cab. If I'm it's, it's driving, pimped if I'm out. riding in it's a cab, pimped out. that's the cab I want to ride in. Uh, fair enough. But he's so sleazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he's taking them the long way. Yeah. So that he can get more money. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's great. Uh, Larry Dobbin, also known as uh, Mr. Hinkle and Friends, by the way. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so he's been around. He's done some stuff. Yeah, mostly, mostly a TV actor. Yeah, for sure. But it's, yeah. it, it, it was fun to kind of see him and recognize him as, as that taxi driver. And again, yeah, it's just definitely... like a total skis ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and he's telling him he wants to take them the, the scenic route so they can see the, the sights at like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so the bus gets to St. Louis. And, and again, they have their meal. They part ways. Neil's going to rent a car and he's going to drive the rest of the way home. Except the car is not there. He's dropped off in this giant lot of cars and he has to trek back to the airport and, and he's just it, it, it just blind fury when he finally gets to the terminal to the rental car place. Yes. And he has one of the, in my opinion, epic rants of all time yes. against, uh, against uh, Edie McClurg who everyone remembers as the secretary in, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. And and because I love the scene so much, I'm going to play it. So listen up, Mark. You ready? All right. All right, here we go. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. <laughs> Steve Martin, so upset. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Big mistake. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. <laughs> that cracks me up every time because, like, Edie gets him at the end. He's so he rude. He's so rude and belligerent. <laughs> yeah, and but that's what I mean when I'm just like, what an asshole! Like she had nothing to do with that. That's not her fault. You're, hey. you're just gonna come at her with that attitude, and you were so stupid that you threw away the receipt. Yeah. No. Listen, as a as a as a individual who works in the retail world and and has been on the end of some of these uh, kind of type of types of conversations, <laughs> I totally sympathize with her. I understand his frustration, but yeah. <laughs> you don't throw away your rental agreement. That's just, you know, that's just protocol. You don't do that. Oh, yeah. that And, and I feel like it's also just like no matter what, no, no matter what happens, that person behind the desk, like that's not that's not that person's fault. You don't come at them with that kind of with that kind of hostility and attitude. I understand the anger. Absolutely. But. Yeah. And oh, and, and, and and to be fair, like Neil does get his his sort of comeuppance uh, at yeah. at this point when uh, when he starts he tries to verbally abuse another person who just punches yes. him in the fucking face for it, right? And then Dell almost runs him over in a car, and then carries him by the nuts. <laughs> carries him by the nuts, and you get to hear him talk awkwardly. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but this gets us to. My favorite chunk of the movie, which is where they're in the rental car together, 
And Dell is continuing to be, uh, you know, I don't know if obnoxious is right, but I mean, he's fiddling with the seat. <laughs> and then the seat's going to be broken later when it's Neil's turn to sit in it because Dell couldn't stop putzing with it. Right. <laughs> but I, I love them in the car so much. You know, when, when Dell gets his hands, uh, he's trying to take his parka off, but he gets them both hooked around the knobs on either side of the seat. Yes. So he has to, like, scream and rip, it, rip the seat apart in his jacket. While Neil's asleep next to him. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's my my favorite sequence of, of of the movie as well. Yeah, and then also you you get you know just just prior to that, uh, or no, I think it's just after that actually, is when uh, Dell has the cigarette and he tries to flick it out the window and he's he's unaware that it doesn't make it out the window and it lands in the back seat. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's great because it's one of those those moments where, you know, bad things are coming. But right. it's just a matter of when. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it's it's back there for a while, and you you see smoke, a little bit of smoke in the background for you know a few shots, and and both Steve Martin and and John Candy are saying that it's hot in the car, and 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 they they de- they they build up to it, you know. Yeah, and actually, I think I got my sequence of events wrong. I think Dell flicking the cigarette butt happens before he tries to take the parka off. So I might be a little bit backwards on that. Yeah, because he's he's just driving along. And he's having a grand old time listening to like jazz, blues music on the I think radio. It, I think he's listening to uh, Ray Neil Charles. Sleeps. What's that? I think he's listening to Ray Charles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, and yeah, so it's like after that, that's when he flicks his cigarette, hits the window, bounces back in, in, into the back seat, and then he gets hot and, and tries to take, yeah. to take yeah, tries to take the parka off and is driving with no hands on the wheel, driving with his crotch, yeah. basically. Yeah, and then, so. you know, so, and once they, 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 they skid around, you know, they're coming off an on-ramp because his hands are pinned to his side, so he can't use the steering wheel. Like you said, he's trying to drive with his knees and his crotch, basically. Uh, yeah. And they finally rips his arms free. The car's in a spin-out. Yeah. And as they, you know, and they're fine. Nothing happens, but, you know, he, he tells Neil that, the, oh, I almost hit a deer. And right. you know, Neil goes back to sleep or whatever. And then uh, uh, they get back on the freeway. But because they spun out, he doesn't know what direction he is. So he just goes up the ramp. And right. we we know that that Dell is now going... He's he's going the wrong direction in one-way traffic, basically. He's, uh, he's, he's going north on a southbound lane or whatever. Right. Right. And... <laughs> And this leads to one of my favorite parts. I love this part of the movie so much. We're opening the podcast with the sequence where the drivers across the the freeway are trying to tell them they're going the wrong direction. Yes. (laughs) And Dell's response is like, oh, they're drunk. They don't know where we're going. (laughs) That's right. It's so good. (laughs) <laughs> and Neil's just like, yeah, they don't know where we're going. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and then the trucks come. <laughs> right. And the trucks come. <laughs> Neil, <laughs> you see the skeleton of Neil. You see the skeleton of Dell. Neil looks over at Dell and sees the devil. <laughs> yeah. Pro- just... Probably my favorite gag in the movie is just that shot right there. He just sees Dell as the devil. Yeah. And so as they as they narrowly make it through these two trucks coming at them on the freeway. Uh, and and Dell finally slams the brakes on once they're clear, and we haven't talked much about Dell's giant trunk that he, he 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 just lugs everywhere with him, but they slam the brakes on and the and the trunk just goes flying 
<laughs> as, it, as it and yes. the lid of the trunk break free from the car, it just flies out into the middle of the road. And we, <laughs> and their screaming and their yelling is so loud and so funny. And then when they finally stop and you, you, you watch Neil pulling his fingers off the dashboard and Dell yeah. prying his, his hands off the steering wheel and you see the steering wheel is like bent forward because he was pressing so right. hard on it. <laughs> it's just... Right. <laughs> it makes me laugh just thinking about it. It's so good. <laughs> so they go out to retrieve the trunk and that's when they have a, a conversation. Neil thinks it's really funny that... that Dell's been getting away with a lot of stuff. You know, he, a lot of things have kind of been breaking in Dell's favor, uh, despite the fact that they were robbed. You know, he hasn't had to pay for a lot right. of things and, and various. So Dell's been able to kind of finagle his way out of things by selling shower curtain rings as earrings to people, and yeah. and so so Del, you know, Dell's kind of been a uh, uh, savvy. You know, making making things happen. Yeah. But De- Neil finds it really hilarious that this time around he he can't get out of this. He's going to return that car, and it is fucked up. Right. <laughs> and that's when we get the reveal that. Dell <laughs> thought that Neil maybe put his own credit card in Dell's wallet so he could rent a car. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Neil re- realizes that the car is fucked up. It's in his name. He's going to be responsible for it. <laughs> and that's when the cigarette lights and the car catches fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, again, just I think is just perfect comedic timing for everything. You knew that cigarette was in there, but you kind of get distracted by the other events. Yeah. So you don't necessarily forget about it unless you're just not, you know, that in tune with it. <laughs> but what a great moment for the, all of a sudden the entire car to ignite on fire. Yeah, it's kind of that thing where it's like, um, you know, they they set the cigarette up as being kind of the catastrophe that's going to go wrong while they're on the road. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out that everything else goes wrong, and then the car lighting on fire is just kind of like the icing on the cake. Yeah, exactly. It's really you know? it's really great the way they did that. I thought yeah. that, again, that's why, that's why it's like my favorite sequence in, in the film, because um, it's just so well done. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good stuff. But this is when Neil's had it. <laughs> Neil has officially had it at this point. <laughs> he slugs Dell in, in, in the stomach <laughs> yes. and then trips over his trunk. <laughs> Right. Because, you know, because that that is the thing. Again, you, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about how, how how Neil's a jerk, but, but the whole, all the way through the movie is like, yes, he is a jerk, but he always ends up getting his kind of comeuppance. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like every single time it's like, you know, just like karma's a bitch and it just strikes him right there. It's like, you know, so... But it, it's certainly after this that that, that Neil's character sort of, um, I don't know, transformation is going to be accurate. But they, after the car is done being on fire, they <laughs> it still drives, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Call so the craftsmanship. Yeah. So so Neil finds the nearest motel for them, but he is just done with Dell. Uh, they go to the office. Neil's getting a room for himself and himself only. He offers up like $17 in his watch, which is a very nice watch. We see it at the beginning of the film. They show it. Right. And he's going to go sleep alone and, and just, it's, he's just over this. Dell has, if Dell can't get his own room, he has to sleep in the car or, you know, find his own way or whatever. Cause, because, yeah. you know, Dell's been talking his way in, into, out of things, out of, out of harmful scenarios. 
Uh, except Dell can't talk his way out of this one, so he has to go sit in the car and, and yeah. potentially sleep in the car. And that's sort of the moment for Neil, where he looks out the window and he sees, I mean, a fairly pathetic figure of, of John Candy huddled up in in the car in the snow, and uh, um, sort of, I don't. I don't know. Do you think it's take pity, or what, what? What do you think it is, or just maybe just understanding it and just shows compassion finally? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's both. Okay. You know, I, you know, I think it is kind of Neil having sort of a moment of clarity that again, you know, Dell's been with him all this time, and and despite all of his flaws and all the things that Dell has put him through he's just been trying to help him all the way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's been standing by him through all of this. And, you know, I, it, it just, it, it's seeing him out sitting out there in, in the cold in, in the car, you know, it, it just, it, it appeals to uh, Neil's better nature. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so Neil's going to invite him in and, uh, they have a really, they, they sort of bond at this point. Yes. They, yeah. they share some drinks. They share some, uh, Doritos. Yes. From, <laughs> from the, the, uh, from machine. the snack machine. Yeah. And they, they, they sort of finally seem to make peace with, with each other and that they're, they're going to help each other get home. And this is like the last leg of the, of the film and the last leg of the movie, uh, right. the last leg of their journey, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're kind of finally on the same page with each other. No pun yes. intended for Neil Page. Uh, yeah. But I did want to back it up for one second because uh, there was one thing I noticed that I wanted to ask you about. They're st- they're they're on the side of the freeway after after they're going the wrong direction, after the trucks, after the trunk, and and you see a sign behind them that says Chicago and it's like 102 miles, you know, to Chicago. Okay. At this point, if it were you. Would you not just call your family to come fucking pick you up? Like, for the love of God, throw the kids in the car and come get me. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's 100 miles. Like, that's not that far. No, that's, yeah, that's that's not far at all. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Um, but I guess... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I just, it was just something I noticed. I was like, oh, it's like only 102 miles. I think I would have called for a ride by now. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Well, I mean, he was flying home. So I guess even if the, even if Neil's family only had one car, she, the wife would have the car. I mean, unless maybe the so, car's at the airport, maybe. Is maybe. That, is that a viable yeah. scenario? Actually, yeah. I, I mean, it kind of is. Okay. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the situation. Yeah. Which at this point, I then ask, like, couldn't one of those lame ass family members have come picked him up? They had to be traveling from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm just true. saying. I think Neil might have had some options. He might have uh, tried figuring it out. <laughs> well, you know. Well, look. I, you know, I don't want to say anything about his wife, but she seems like kind of a pill. <laughs> So, you know, maybe he just was like, I don't want to deal with that shit. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, notion on there. <laughs> His whole family seemed very uptight, like him. So, oh, perhaps. She did seem a little, uh, uh, 
I don't know, not I don't know, like non sympathetic. Not, not, not that. Not, I don't want to say that. Um, I she just seemed kind of miffed that he couldn't figure out how to get home. <laughs> right. It's like I'm doing the best I can over here. <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, St. Louis to Chicago is not that far, but so. You know, these lovely Midwest see, stories. We'll see how she does in this situation. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, you know, and, and to, to, to contrast with another great John Hughes uh, road trip movie, uh, uh, Dutch, you know, at least in that movie, it's established that, that not calling for help uh, is, is, is a key element in, in their journey. Sure. I think for this, it was just kind of became convenient. Like, well, they, we, they can't just call for help because then the movie's over. Right. Which yeah, makes yeah. movie sense. And I'm, I'm okay with movie sense. I just wanted to kind of pose this to you. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Uh, they could have done more to to explain that. I didn't. I didn't notice the sign there, but like, yeah, it does. It does make sense. Like because they do drive in the next day. So yeah. So af- after their their bonding, uh, they hit the road in their burnt up car, and we, yes. we get one of my favorite cameos of the of the movie, which is Michael Bikian as the state yes. trooper. Yeah. <laughs> and John Candy's <laughs> very, I think, very convincingly telling him, telling the state trooper that the, that car is still roadworthy. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, and I think Michael McKeon handles it perfectly because he's just he plays such a great kind of like straight man, where it's like he just can't believe these two are driving this car, and you almost get the sense like he kind of wants to help. But because of his his duty, he can't. You know, I, I don't know if I'm the only one who got that. I I, I, it, I I mean, I think he's not like unsympathetic, but he knows like that car shouldn't be on the road. I mean, he, the, exactly. The the, yeah. the first question out of his mouth when he when he comes to the car is like, he's like, what the hell are you driving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be your first question? Like, what is going on? <laughs> well, it's it was so it. I, <clears throat> It was so funny. I've I've recently watched this, and then a few weeks ago I had watched Clue, another movie with with a young Michael McKeon in it. And it's so funny to see him so young in a couple different things, uh, because I, I don't know if you're watching Better Call Saul, but uh, he's he was in the first couple seasons of that, and it's just like wow, man, like all these people you kind of grew up with just getting so old, but to see him so young again was so uh, wonderful. Yeah, I have not I have not watched. Better Call Saul. So I I did I did look him up on uh, IMDb after watching this, and I saw he was on it. And I was like, oh, you know. But yeah, I I haven't haven't seen it. Yeah, and and, and Michael McKean, uh one is this one of the stars of one of my favorite movies of all time, which is uh, this is Spinal Tap. It's wonderful. Oh yeah, we'll do a podcast for that one eventually too. Don't worry. Yeah. Can... It's 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 been a long time since I've seen it, but it it's truly great. I mean that that's one of those not to not to derail this planes, trains, and automobile specific episode, but if we did a Spinal Tap episode, it might be two parts because I have so much to say about that movie and how brilliant it is. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember like it it just was great. You know? <laughs> yeah, I tried to get Janine to watch it one time, and she was not having it. You know, it's one of those things I feel like you, you kind of have to at least be a little bit interested in heavy metal to uh, to appreciate it. Ah, oh, sure, but I mean, well, whatever. We can go down that road later. <laughs> <laughs> but the car gets impounded, and, and our heroes seem to be stuck, except Dell comes through again, 
and he's able to get them a ride in a cheese truck. Yes. But they have to sit in the back of the truck with the cheese where it's cold. Yeah. Eh. It was only three hours. <laughs> but this gets them to Chicago where they, they, they uh, are going to part ways on the uh, the platform of the, of the uh, elevated train that runs through Chicago. We've, we've seen it in a thousand different movies. Yep. And, and uh, they're going to say their goodbyes and Neil's going to get home. Yes. Except, except once once apart, Neil starts to kind of put together the puzzle pieces all of a sudden. Right. And realize that Dell has nowhere to go. Right. And so he goes back to the train station and finds him and uh, invites him over for Thanksgiving dinner. And, and, and order is restored in the world of planes, trains, and automobiles. Yep. So a, a nice, sweet wrap-up there. Now, uh, apparently, initially, uh, the original ending for the movie was... was uh, was just that uh, Dell follows him home. <laughs> Ooh, that's weird. And that's weird, right? Yeah. Because I guess John Hughes, after seeing it that way, um, decided that was just kind of pathetic. Right. So they they went back and they were able to. I, I guess on the on the train when Neil's kind of thinking about his family and stuff like that, they just kind of kept the camera rolling. So they were able to to get all this footage of of Steve Martin as he's kind of like going through his lines mentally. And there was enough facial expressions there that they were like, okay, we can shape this into something and then we'll we'll shoot a new ending at the house. Right. Which is basically what they did. I mean, that's interesting because... Because they have the storyline throughout the film that, you know, John Kerry... Or John Kerry... Uh, John Candy's character, Dell, is, has a wife, Marie. Right. Uh, and he, he carries her picture with him wherever he goes. And so the little bit of backstory that we think we have of him is, is that he has a wife, Marie and and she's at home waiting, waiting for him. But then the reveal is that Marie passed away eight years ago. Mm -hmm. John, John Candy has nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, he's he's basically homeless. He lives on the road. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't know, he's like a hobo with a job. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know? he again, that's one of those clues you get early in the in the picture when he when he says that he hasn't been home in years. Right. Yeah. No, but apparently that that's that was all in play. But the 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 way it sat with John Hughes was he didn't like that Dell followed him home and then kind yeah, of revealed no, himself I... that way because he he just was like that makes him kind of pathetic. Then that was more important for for Neil to kind of put that together and then bring Dell home on his own because that way you don't feel that. Dell's pathetic. He's just, you know, he's just alone and needs help. Right. And, and you don't, you don't, you don't, I guess you don't, you know, you don't feel pity for him. I suppose is the way to. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I'm glad he had that that revelation because I don't think the film would would work nearly as well without that. Yeah, um, I, I tend for, to agree with you on that. For one thing, it's 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 um, it's bad for both characters because it makes Dell kind of more pathetic and weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's also, uh, Neil doesn't get to kind of round out his arc where it's like, he's finally thinking about this person. He someone other than himself and kind of like puts that all together and, 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 you know, reaches out to this individual who's kind of been reaching out to him the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So, 
so yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think it's very, I'm, I'm very glad that John Hughes had that realization because otherwise, I, I think it's a disservice to both characters. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think I think Neil needed that that kind of uh, revelatory moment, uh, and and it shows that again after they sort of bonded, you know, in the motel and in the car and everything like that, and on this last leg of the trip, uh, that that Neil is sort of more aware his his. He's not just so focused inwardly. He's actually kind of paying attention to what's going on outside of him, and yeah. then sort of taking everything that 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 Dell has told him and realizing that like this guy's not going anywhere. He's just going to be sitting at that train station. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a really interesting thing when I when I read that. It was it was I was like, oh wow, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah. Now, would you also be interested to know that somewhere in the Paramount vaults, whether it's still a, a in, in in working condition or not is is up for debate, but somewhere exists a three and a half hour cut of this movie. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Apparently, the original screenplay and that and basically like like what they shot was a a hundred and forty something page script for a comedy. And Steve Martin's okay. first reaction was like, "That's kind of long, don't you think?" That's like. Judd Apatow length <laughs> comedy, you know. But I think there's, I think there's also a fair amount of uh, of improv stuff that Martin and Candy were doing, and they probably just let the cameras roll. But somewhere together, sure. somewhere there is a very extremely long cut of planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, I'd love to see that just out of curiosity. Like, well, I would love to see what was there that 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 didn't make it. So I'd like to, I'd like to to point uh, you and our our wonderful listening audience to the YouTube. And find the trailer for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because many of the scenes in that trailer are not in the final film. Okay. So you you will see some new stuff in there that you're like, when the hell was that scene? Man, it seems like they did that so often back in the day. Yeah. Well, yeah, and well, I mean, and now they shoot fake stuff for trailers intentionally. So I mean, it's kind of it's 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 kind of come full circle with trailers. (laughs) <laughs> before like it was un- it. before it was unintentional. Now it's definitely intentional. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the end of our movie. I feel like um, is there anything else we need to mention? You know, Neil reunites with the family. Dell gets to spend Thanksgiving with him. We don't know what what's going to happen to Dell afterwards. There's no kind of epilogue that that, that well, Neil helps him get back on his feet or anything. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Like, did you come up? I kind of, I came up with a little, not a story, but I came up with like an idea as to what would happen after the film. Did Did you think about that at all? I mean, I I, I think that Neil helps Dell get back on his feet. Like, maybe he puts him up in his attic or something um, for a little while, and and and, and kind of builds Dell back up into a, a functioning individual who can own a home or a apartment somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's more or less what I thought in that it, because, because Neil works in marketing and John Candy works in sales, which are two very related uh, professions. And I always thought that maybe, you know, like Steve Martin is able to g- kind of find him or help him get a job, uh, a, a better job so that he can be a little more stable and kind of, like you said, you know, Get an apartment, maybe a home, yeah, something like that. Not, not and, and that the that. two of them would continue to be friends. Yeah, and, and you know, not living out of that trunk. It was, was, right. was going to be a key element, <laughs> so that right. Dale can travel a lot, lot lighter on his next business trip. Yes. Well, I also thought I, I thought that trunk was um, 
actually quite a nice metaphor for all of the uh, the baggage that um, uh, Dell is carrying around. Oh, I think you're 100 percent right about that. That's really great insight there. I didn't I didn't even think about that initially, but you're right. I think you're dead on about that. Yeah. You know, I just I I thought that. Yeah, I was thinking that. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're smarter than me on that one for sure. I just thought it was like where he kept a lot of stuff from his wife that he couldn't get rid of. But yeah, I think you're 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 way more perceptive on that. Yeah, well, I mean, it probably was, but th- like that's just. But you mean, I mean, like, like you said, can't... it's a metaphor. I just thought of yeah, it as like, like the surface issue. You're right. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, you know, like when the train breaks down and Neil sees uh, Neil sees Dell, kind of trudging along with the trunk like dragging the trunk behind him and he comes over and he helps him but when he helps him neil is still kind of walking behind john candy at that mm-hmm. point yeah they're at a bit of an angle yeah but then at the end of the film he's helping him carry it again but they're walking side by side kind of as equals god damn mark that's really insightful <laughs> i do my best yeah, you're. God dang! I've watched this movie a thousand times. I never thought about it in, the, in that term, in those terms. I, I, it's funny. I watched this film for the first time, like two years ago. I watched this film for like the first time in a very long time, and I was just like, man, that. It, it was just like a lot more endearing than I remembered. And it, it's kind of become, I, I think also because there's just not that many Thanksgiving movies, but mm-hmm. it, it, it has become kind of one of my favorite kind of holiday movies for for that reason alone. I, th- I think there's a very, there's a very poignant message behind it. And I think that, um, you know, just, just John Hughes is, he's just so good. He is. At, er, at doing Was, that. yeah. Hello? yeah oh sorry i mean that's all that's all i got for it yeah no no you're i mean you're dead right and you know that's i think that's the wonderful part about having like like a fresh set of eyes watching something that they haven't seen super recently like like i said i watched this a thousand times and i never it never quite clicked to me like that way as soon as you said it you're like i I was like oh yeah he's 100 percent right (laughs) thanks no i mean that's great i do that's why i like doing this podcast with with people who maybe have a little bit of a different uh, perspective on it than I do. And, and again, you know, in my case, as somebody who's watched this a million times and I just completely missed that. And maybe it's because I've seen it so many times that it just, you know, I, I just watch it now. Cause it's just, Hey, this is what I do. Right. So I'm not yeah. looking for that stuff, but you catching that was awesome. Really good. Cool. Thanks for cool. doing, thanks for pointing that out to us all. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a message from somebody like, we all knew that Tom. Why didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm the dummy here. <laughs> the Mark Cast podcast will, will take over next week. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> all right, so I guess my final question for you, and I, I feel like you sort of answered it already, but uh, you know, a movie from 1987 not always uh, translates to the modern audience. But uh, does this movie hold up? Do you still recommend it? What do you think? I still recommend it. Uh, I I think it definitely holds up. You know, there there might be some things where a younger audience is kind of like, what's this or what's it like the old diners club thing or, you know, why can't they just, you know, use credit cards or whatever. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, like, like outside of those things that kind of date it, 
you know, I, I think it holds up so long as the uh, the audience member is is willing to kind of settle into the year 1987 and just go with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's uh, I understand that a modern audience would, would, would kind of struggle a little bit because there's no cell phones, you know, uh, right. securing flights and transportation is a lot easier nowadays than it used to be. Uh, yeah. So as long as you you can make that that you, you can go back in time like that and 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 see how uh, how us old timers used to have to do things, I think you're gonna have a good time still. Yeah, absolutely. Right on, man. Well, I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Steve Martin, John Candy, had, you know, they're just two of the best. Yeah. Oh, oh and, definitely. Yeah, it's it's just great seeing them together and. And yeah, like I, I mean, I miss them both. You know, Steve Martin retired, but John Candy, unfortunately, you know, was cut cut very short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's no longer around, and and uh, yeah, he was just one of my favorites growing up. So no, I I agree with you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I had a blast talking to you. You 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 taught me a few things. So now when I watch that movie, I'll be like, oh yeah, there it is. That son of a bitch, Mark. He got it, and I <laughs> completely right. missed it. awesome man thank you so much for doing this mark i hope you have a great wonderful happy thanksgiving thank you you too and i will i will talk to you very very soon all right you too man bye is there something i can help you with what the hell are you driving here we had a small fire last night but we caught it in the nick of time (laughs) you have any idea how fast you were going well, funnily enough, I was just talking to my friend about that. Our speedometer's melted, and as a result, it's very hard to say with any degree of accuracy exactly uh, how fast we were going. 78 miles an hour. 78, huh? Well, yeah, I could buy that, sure, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, you would know better than us, uh, especially since we got a melted speedometer. Do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel? Yes, I do. Yes, I really do. I, I, I believe that. I know it's not pretty to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. Now, you got no outside mirror. No, we lost that. You have no functioning gauges. No, not a one. However, the radio still works. Funny as that may seem, with all this mess, that the radio is the only thing that's really working good, and it's as clear as a bell. Don't ask me how. (laughs) Hey, there you go. That's the podcast right there. Mark and I discussing the late, great John Hughes' epic road trip movie for Thanksgiving, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Can you believe that came out in 1987? That is a that is a, a sort of scary number. <laughs> 1987, I was nine years old. Woof, that was a long time ago. I can tell you that for sure. But listen, we hope everyone out there has, has wonderful, safe plans for Thanksgiving. Hope you're out there. Get an extra side of stuffing, extra side of mashed potatoes just for me because I will eat that all up. So we, uh, before I do wrap it up, we like this movie still. We think it holds up greatly. I hope you feel the same way. If you do, let me know. If I'm right, let me know. I love to hear that I'm right. If you disagree, let me know and, and tell me why. Give me, give me a reason. Are we wrong? Let me know why. Just support your argument, and I'll, I, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will at least hear you out. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as we sort of. You know the holiday season has officially kicked off, but but Thanksgiving is a big part of of, of the of the kind of like the countdown to Christmas, and you know we'll be doing Christmas stuff here on the Tomcast podcast just like we have in years past. But Thanksgiving is a big deal, so I'm glad we got to do two spectacular movies 
two of my all-time favorites this month for Thanksgiving. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out the epic episode with, with Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry came on this podcast and, and, and talked to us about Dutch. With film, film, filming Dutch with Ed O'Neill, his experiences with John Hughes, just a wonderful, wonderful interview with with with, with Ethan Embry, and we still can't thank him enough, and can't believe that he was so kind uh, to to spend time with us to talk about Dutch. Uh, now, granted, Steve Martin didn't do this podcast with us today, but it was still a lot of fun, and we 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 hope you've dug it, and we're gonna keep doing great things here on the Tomcast Podcast with Ethan Embry, without Ethan Embry, with Steve Martin, without Steve Martin, it doesn't matter. We're going to keep doing what we do. So please make sure you're following us on social media because that's the best way to find out what we're up to. That's also the best way to get a hold of us. We're at Tomcast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. You, be, you can become an official member of Pophead Nation at Patreon.com forward slash Tomcast Popcast where you can join the nation and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content, which is uh, a video features and book reviews and there's some uh, audio Commentary tracks for movies. Ooh, there's a couple good ones on there. I'm still, I'm, I'm, we, I'm, I'm currently deep in negotiations uh, for someone to join me for the next audio commentary track for the Patreon. So hopefully that doesn't come to fruition soon. Thank you to the current Patreons. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody. He loves, he loves mashed potatoes. I know he does. The Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. He's king, king of the uh, green bean casserole. He's also co-host of the Ringing Ear podcast. Check that one out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the Crescent Rolls. The Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard. He loves the stuffing. No celery though, right, Brian? Fuck that. <laughs> and the New Jersey Devil himself. He is the king of the dark meat. Or is he? I can't remember now. Damn it, Mark. Mark Wegemer. He is the New Jersey Devil. Uh, but also give him a give him a, a uh, very small slice of pumpkin pie, very small. Please make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, whatever platform it is you listen to podcasts. You can find us there. And if we're not on it, let me know, and we will get on it immediately. If you have the time, a five star excuse me. If you have the time, a five star review is super super appreciated. And finally, you can check out our network homepage 3bzine.com where you can find links to all the shows in the 3bz network that is beer night in san diego mando vision and the tomcast popcast there you can find the latest episodes and you can also find our store envy page where you will be able to get sweet sweet merchandise for this holiday season t-shirts sweatshirts that's going to keep everyone nice and toasty and warm this winter all right, so once again, thank you to, to my brother Mark for joining us to talk about plane, trains, and automobiles. Again, one of my one of my favorite pictures, one of my favorite Thanksgiving movies, and we hope you liked it too. So once again, please have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Spending it whether whether you're you're still home quarantining and isolating, or or you're you're taking the proper precautions and getting together with with family in, in a safe and safe uh, safe and safe way to do so. Uh, again, and this episode is going to be out uh, very, very soon. So if anyone's listening and you're you're entertaining the notion of trying to go out on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, one of the biggest bar-going uh, days of the year. And depending on where you live and, and what restrictions are in place, just remember, if you do go out and, and you're, you're, you're drinking, don't drive home. Get that Uber. Get that Lyft. Or just get a, get a ride from a friend who hasn't been. 
Uh, stay safe, please, please, please. And we will be back here on the TomCast podcast next week. And we hope to talk to everybody then. Ciao, babes. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah.